Welcome back. This is an episode that I've actually been waiting quite a while to to get going. I think um, my guest today, we actually spoke probably towards the end of last year and we bumped into each other in February um, again at Bustleton Half Marathon um, and then a few people have asked me since then. So I'm glad when she got in touch last week that we managed to lock it in and welcome to episode nine of season two with Margie Hadley. Welcome, Margie. Thanks for having me, Erwin. Yeah, I think we bumped into each other just after Bustleton Half, didn't we? Yeah. Um, yep. And just a few people had said, oh, are you going to get her on? Can you get her on, please? And as <laughs> soon as I posted the story up the other day, that many reactions of people that were, were waiting for it, um, yeah, they were pumped. So, yeah, I'm glad you, we kind of managed to link it up and get it going. Oh, I'm excited. But, um, yeah, it's good. So let's just start, I suppose, first of all, and where where did running start for you? And then if you want to give us a bit of an intro into who you are as well, it would be great. Sure. Um, I've always played sport. Uh, my background is rowing and a bit of cycling. And I did a little bit of triathlon in my early 20s, which I wasn't very good at. Um, I didn't really start running until I was 30. So uh, it's nine years ago now. Um, and I just sort of started, I guess, more for fitness and then set my sights on doing some half marathon and marathons um, and then working my way up to the ultra distance, really. So, yeah, I didn't – I've never been – I wouldn't say that I'm a natural runner and I'm – it takes a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> Did you – would you say you were – naturally aerobically talented though um doing rowing and then cycling or were they things that was that a product of doing those sports i think it was more a product of doing those sports um i've been i was rowing since like through school through high school so sort of 13 14 and um i did a bit of road cycling as well um so yeah they that was my base really and then um with triathlon my strongest leg was always the cycling it was never I was I was always last out of the water and um I was pretty average on the run a lot of people went past me so (laughs) and what made you I suppose leave rowing behind um I'm from Victoria so over there we row and it's quite nice weather and when I came over here I joined Fremantle Rowing Club and it was freezing absolutely freezing so I remember just early morning starts and icy cold water and um I I love it and I you know I jump back into it in a second but um I know I like the change and I actually, before I started ultras, I um, decided to do an Ironman in 2013. So I'd sort of been running a little bit and doing some marathons and then stepped up to do the Ironman, um, yeah, and then into ultras. And so there's obviously a, there's a theme here where you like going the longer distance. Pain. You know, even Ironman and pain and <laughs> is that... Like, where's that come from? Um, it's I like the challenge, like just to see how far you can push. Like when I race, I don't 
I mean, we're all competitive and I, you know, being at the pointy end of the field is great or being on a podium is great. But for me, it's more how far can I push my body and how much can I challenge myself? You know, I'm not really racing other people out there. You know, if you're in a race and you're, you're at the front, you always you try and keep at the front. But to me, it's just pushing myself as far as I can go to my limit. I, and I like the pain, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and have you always been like that? So I suppose even when you were younger and through school, were you all about even pushing yourself? You know, it might have just been even in your schoolwork or um, seems like you are a high achiever and you're not just one to settle. Is that a true reflection? I think um, I, I sounds a bit corny, but I think my parents have, I think we've got a good work ethic. Um you know, they were hard workers and they taught us hard work. And I think I like to apply that in everything that I do. So, um, you know, whether it's work or, or sport, you know, it's always to push as far as you can. Um, I would say that uh, I think there was a change in 2013 when I did Ironman, um, I think that's when it changed for me more so like I really pushed in sport then and um, wanted just to achieve more and see how far I could go. Is there anything that you would change or is there anything that you'd sit there and go oh geez I wish I went down that angle sooner? I, I wish I had a I wish I had started running um, sooner uh, but saying that I think ultras I see a lot of um, older runners do quite well in ultras and, and Ironman and the endurance events. I think that for me personally, I train much differently now than I did when I was younger. So now I train, I think I train smarter and I've, you know, you learn so much as you go. Um, I've I probably have burnt myself out maybe three or four times over the last um, 10 plus years training for Ironman and running. And, you know, it's a learning experience. You learn as you go. And when I started running, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I just grabbed some plans off the internet, training plans, and I mashed them all together and just did my own training. And, you know, it's trial and error um, working out what works for you and everyone's everyone's different for me I really like doing the long slow stuff and um you know for some other people that that doesn't work for their training they like you know time wise or just for their body type so and then yeah. do you think runners are jumping into ultras too soon then like is from your observations or do you think it's very much a when you want to do it just go for it I think it's when you want to do it, you go for it. But you've got to give a lot of respect to ultras, I think. And um, if you don't do the training, you you won't see the result. I mean, that that applies to any race. But, you know, I think it takes a lot of um, understanding. And it's not just physical training with ultras it's mental training like you I think you can train a hundred percent and if you're not mentally switched on on the day it, it can just go out the window you know so 
it's mental training and, and physical and I think through learning and just years of experience you you get better at understanding how to how to race it yeah absolutely I think yeah I always look back on this question and go oh there's a lot of track guys who even go to the marathon maybe a bit late and you know they end up that's where they want to go but they sit on the track for so long yeah uh, instead of going you know what I'm just gonna go give it a crack now I'm probably gonna blow up probably five to ten times but at least I'm giving it a go I, I think that's the thing you can't be afraid to fail like I would say that I've had more bad runs than good runs um but the good runs just make it so worthwhile. But you, you can't be afraid to fail. Like, you've got to get out there and just have a go. Um, when I, I DNF'd, my first DNF was Feral Pig um, Ultra. And that was that took me a little while to to probably get over, like, to realise that it's, you know, it's okay to to pull out. I'd, it, was, um, it was an interesting race. I'd fallen over, I think, maybe... 20 times and um i remember getting <clears throat> i was uh about 10k from the brookton aid station and i had blood running down <clears throat> down my head and i just i was like okay well i think i've fallen over too many times i need to pull the pin on this one and it took a few weeks to you know be okay with it but you it's part of it it's all part of learning so and so one of my questions was going to be, what is it taught? What has those kind of moments taught you about yourself? Um, you just, you have to get back up and have a go. You, you can't be afraid to fail again. So not long after I DNF'd at Feral Pig, um, the next year I DNF'd at uh, WTF. And, you know, it's, you go in it and you learn. I, I walked out of WTF with a different attitude. Like I was still disappointed, but I I knew that I'd push my body to the limit and I did everything I could. For me, it's more about effort than anything. Like if I put 100% effort in, then I'm, I'm okay with that. That's the most important thing. So. And is there anything that you've learned while you've been a runner that you didn't know about yourself, let's say pre-running, even when you're a cyclist, you know, what's... Um, well, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I suppose you've learned that you have the ability to withstand more in a yeah. way. Like... Well, in, um, I, in 2013, when I was doing Ironman, I think, um, one thing for me, so I don't know if people know this, but I was diagnosed with cancer um, just after Ironman. So it was, Ironman was one of the main things that I wanted to do. Like it was just a huge goal. And I know uh, going into it, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling very well. Um, and so I, just I raced I decided you know it's just I, I thought I was run down I'd um I'd been working basically two jobs and I'd been training quite a bit and uh I raced Ironman and then after Ironman I was diagnosed with uh cervical cancer and you know it I think that after that I think I realized how important it was to 
just go out and do what you love and, you know, enjoy life and set goals and achieve them and push yourself. So, yeah, it was, um, yeah, makes it like you just want to get out there and do stuff, basically. And I suppose, like, it also gave you the challenge to get back out there. You know, I've heard a lot of people who have been diagnosed with cancer and I had Andrew Wall. Um, he said running gave him this this light that was there and it was like the reason to, you know, his family would see them, they were the reason, but from a external and intrinsic motivation, it was like, I want to get back to even running 5Ks. You know, a park run was his intrinsic motivation to get back and doing that. Um, did you ever have that kind of moment where you're like, well, I want to get, I know you wanted to do Ironman, I want to get on the bike and that's just what I want to do? Yeah, I I did. Like I wanted to afterwards, I I wanted to get back out there and just I, I proving is probably the wrong word, but I, I guess I wanted to prove to myself that I could, you know, get back to where I was and be better. Um, and I, I think that's you know when I say that I'm out there to I race myself, you know, like I want to challenge myself and push myself and I'm proving to myself that I'm getting better each time um so you know I guess yeah you you push and you go like I went from 50 miler to you know 100k to 100 miler just um yeah trying to push the limits each time something I'm always fascinated about the people at the front end like with me I say that I'm racing myself so I don't nobody's going to I'm not going to break the tape in front of anyone. So it's more, but with you guys, it really pretty dangerous then when you said you're racing yourself because essentially you're almost racing the whole field at most events, right? Um, so where does that thought of I'm racing myself come from? Is it something that you learned or have you just always thought that from day one? Um, I, I think that it's something I've learned to do. I think when you race other people, I mean, like I said before, you we're competitive and we're always, you're always out there and you racing other people. But if you focus too much on other people, you don't, you sort of lose focus on what you should be doing. Um, and then you start, you know, a lot of us are on Strava and you start looking at things like Strava and thinking, well, you know, they're running faster than me or, you know, there's always someone faster. So you should be focused on what you're doing and trying to be better than than you were last time, you know. Um, I think focusing on other people, it's it takes takes away from it. You shouldn't shouldn't think, oh, they're always faster or, you know, um, focus on what you're doing so that you get better and you move forward. And yes. I... I guess I don't – when I'm out there racing on the course, unless it's, you know, towards the end of the race and you're up the front, I don't really think about that. I just think about doing the best I can through the race, um, having a consistent race and having a good race. Yeah, I saw something recently where a guy who wins races said he doesn't actually follow any of his competitors on Strava. He follows people who are slower because he wants to look back and go, you know, these people are doing it for the, the real reason and yeah. he doesn't actually care what his competitors are doing because if they beat him, then they were faster. 
That yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and you'll have some days that um, some races you'll be the fastest out there, and some days you won't. Like you have good races and and bad races. Um, so you you shouldn't be comparing yourself to others. I think that's when you do that, you you really lose track of what you should be focused on. So, and you yeah. So I think I'd safely almost crown you the most consistent um, <laughs> COVID-19 uh, pandemic time trainer following <laughs> you on Strava. It's just been, you know, you're just churning out 100-mile weeks and you're not doing it under what looks to be stressful conditions like you're training-wise. You're not banging yourself up. So, like backtracking, what gets you out of bed every day to keep this consistency and then what is your methodology in terms of training? Like, is it just a lot of easy running? Um, and how much quality is the balance? Um, I actually got a coach, um, which I never thought I would do because I just always did my own programs. But um, around August last year, I got a coach, um, Camille Heron. So I, I downloaded one of her programs and... Um, anyone in the ultra world they would know Camille Heron is like one of the top athletes and I just thought I'd, I'd give her program a, a crack she um likes to do big miles which I like so I downloaded the program before the Ned Kelly Chase 100k and it was a great program it had a lot of long slow stuff in it which I really like um and sort of changed the way I'd been training um, I was looking for something. I was getting a few stress fractures, so I was looking for a program that would help me avoid that, which it's done, which is really good. Um, and then I've just stuck with that ever since. I went to one-on-one -on -one coaching with her. Um, she sends through a program each week, um, which is great, and I don't have to think about it. But in, in terms of uh, getting up every morning, I think the biggest thing is you can't tell yourself that you don't want to do it. Like if I go to bed and think, oh, I don't want to get up in the morning, it's too hard, then you tend not to get up in the morning, you tend to hit snooze. And I still have those days, but I try to think positive positive. Um, and think, you know, yeah, we get up in the morning and, and smash out, you know, the 15 or 20K and it's just an easy run, you know, easy pace. So it'll be a nice run and just get it done. Um, I the, as soon as you start thinking negative, that's when it goes downhill. And I think that applies when you're actually racing and training, like in your training run itself. So for me, if I'm out for a long run, you know, if it's a if it's a 30k run, instead of thinking at 15k, oh, I've still got 15k to go. I think, yeah, I've still got 15k to go. Like I like I'm I'm halfway, and you know, it's easy from here. And you know, so it's I know again, it sounds a little corny, but it's all about positive thinking and trying to, um, you know, cheer yourself up. And I did a 50k virtual run the other day, and someone asked me, you know, like, what do you think about when you do that and how, how do you do it? But it was, I went out, it was a time, it was sort of a time trial. So I went in thinking I want to try and sit around 4.30, 4.40 pace 
and the first K I was 4.30 and then I was 4.20s and I thought, oh, might be a little fast, but let's go with it. And I thought to myself, let's just hold it for 15K and I hit 15K and then I thought, okay, hold it to 20K, um, hit 20K and then again like the next 5K and by the time I hit 30, you sort of think that's awesome, like I'm ahead of where I wanted to be you know, you've got 20K to go, like break like break it down and celebrate those little chunks, you know. So just be positive about it instead of negative because when you're negative, you just, it can all go out the window. And then the thought, is the thought also the long game that, you know, you could just sit back and rest now and maintain, let's say, but as soon as races are announced, then it's scrambling. Whereas now you're maintaining high mileage. So all you really have to do if a race is announced in two months, three months, a month, is just tune up? Yeah, pretty much. I just, I didn't want to lose uh, the base that I'd worked so hard for as well. And I I understand like this is a, a very different time for everyone. And I understand some people lost motivation and I completely get why they, you know, they took a break from training. For me, I just didn't want to lose that base, you know, like I'd worked pretty hard. I, the goal race was Coburg, uh, Coburg 100K on the track, which was mm-hmm. meant to be in March. Um, and I'd, I'd worked hard to get where I was and I was feeling good. So I didn't want to stop and just let it all go. I think we can become a little bit complacent, which I've done previously, you know, it's you run a 100k race and then the next race you think oh like it's a 50k race i've i've run 100k so i've got this like it's easy and then you go and race it and it's not easy like you you can't become complacent and just because you've done certain things in the past doesn't mean you can just pull it out of the bag on the day you've still got to do the work you know so i wanted i didn't want to lose what i'd worked so hard for how would you rate your motivation now then in comparison to when you actually are building up for a race? Because it seems like it'd be mirrored right now or would you say it, you might actually be more motivated? I'm, I'm more motivated. It's easy. It's actually, I find it easier when there's no pressure. So um, that 50K that I did the other day, I ran probably the fastest I've run a 50K. It not wasn't a certified course, so you can't call it a PB, but I ran about um, three hours, 41, 42 um, for a 50K that wasn't in a race format. And I find that when the pressure's not on, you know, you, I run better. So training-wise as well, like there's no pressure to run, but I'm enjoying it and I want to go out and run. Um, when there's a race, it's a little bit harder because, you know, you you know, you have to train. <laughs> so, And you're also dictated to about what's happening around you. You know, if you, if a group shoots off, you almost will lose a bit of your radar and maybe even shoot off with them. Whereas if you do it by yourself, you really have total control on even how you feel. Yeah. I, I try hard in races not to focus on people that are with me. Um, I, I really like running it's hard. I, I like running in a group and chatting and stuff, but I also really like running on my own and just thinking in my own head and having that nice quiet space around me. So 
I try not to like if we're, if we're in a race and a, and a group takes off I would I would try not to um, take off with them I well I want to run my own race I don't want to you know burn myself out too quickly especially for an ultra You've, pacing is is really important it kind of lead like my next question was going to be your training you seem to train a lot alone as well so and a lot you know a lot of people go oh, if I'm doing big mileage in a week I'm going to end my week almost with a group run but do you kind of specifically do a lot by yourself or is it just an outcome of the situation I um it's sort of an outcome of the situation I'm um in the mornings I need to get up fairly early there's people that get up far earlier than me, but I need to get up fairly early so I can get to work. So I need to fit those long runs in, um, in the morning. So it's just, it's more about the flexibility of time. Um, but I also, I like to, <laughs> I like to say, I've got one of my things that I like is, uh, you should train how you race and race how you train. So that doesn't mean you should run fast in every training run, but you know, if I'm doing these ultras and I'm mostly on my own, I, I think that I should train mostly on my own. Um, you know, and same with things like nutrition and how you run, how you actually run. So um, a lot of my easy pace runs, they'll be kind of a progressive. Like, so even this morning, like I did 20K and I start quite slow and then I just gradually build up and it's not fast, but you know, I think it's a good way to think. Um, you want to train how you want to race. So, you know, if I'm out there on my own for hours, then I, I kind of need to be able to do that and I need to get in my own head and just zone out. So I just find it a, a lot easier to, to train solo, I guess. And then the ability to get the body up again every day and as the week goes what do you put into place like even the one percenters um well that's hard um i just i just i know just know that i have to get up um i for me i find it hardest to train because a lot of the time i'll train twice a day um and probably the hardest thing is the afternoon training the morning training isn't so bad um, but it's after a long day, so you've run in the morning and then you work all day and you go home and you think, oh, I have to go out. Even if it's a short one, I have to go out again. So that yeah, probably the afternoons are the hardest to motivate myself to get out the door. <laughs> and like a lot of people will look at it and go, oh, she runs 160Ks. Hey, she must be talented. Or, But what are the things that people don't see? So in terms of recovery, sleep, nutrition, um, can you almost walk us through some of those things and what what have you, like the sacrifices you have to make, you know, you're not staying up till midnight watching Netflix every night. Um, yeah, like some of those things. Can you walk us through? Yeah, I mean, sleep is a real important one. Um, you know, especially I was getting quite a few stress fractures uh, the last couple of years and I think that was the workload and probably a little bit lack of nutrition, but also probably lack of sleep. Um, it, sleep's really important. So I try and go to bed at a reasonable time. And nutrition, I, I, I'm i not perfect with my eating. Um, 
I do like to think that I run a lot so that I can eat a lot. (laughs) Um, but you know, generally I eat pretty well during the, during the working week. And then on the weekends, I'm a little bit more relaxed with that sort of stuff. Um, in terms of nutrition through training and racing, I'm, that's probably one of my weakest, weakest points. Um, I really struggle with nutrition at the moment. So pretty much all of my ultras, um, the only thing I take is water gatorade and coke um even through even through my 100 miler at wtf um i had water gatorade coke couple of cliff blocks and some pumpkin soup um, which is an ideal so that's something that i'm working on um just to yeah hopefully that'll help with my running um yeah i guess but then do you think a lot of it is also overcomplicated though you know, I remember I did a marathon last year and somebody heard me opening uh, like a water bottle of Coke and they couldn't, you could just tell their face, they couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> Coke is Coke is my go-to thing in a Like I don't drink soft drink outside of running, yeah. but in a race, Coke is my go-to thing. So um, I, I do think we overcomplicate over- it. I, when I raced Ironman, um, a few people that had already raced were giving me advice, which is great, and they said to me, you'll need like six water bottles on the bike and you'll need this and you'll need that, and I think I drank two and a half bottles, and I don't, I think sometimes we overhydrate and overeat and, you know, you get an upset stomach. You've got to do what works for you, and so far in, in all the 100Ks I've done, the Gatorade water and coke method has worked it's not ideal and I think there's probably better better nutrition than that but that has actually worked for me really well so yeah I I think don't overthink it is a good thing yeah and in terms of strength and you know foam rolling um other recovery techniques do you employ anything like that Again, that's probably a weakness. <laughs> um, I, I really should do um, strength work, which I don't. Um, it, more just because of time. Like I'm, I'm pretty time poor with that. Trying to fit all the running in is my priority. Um, I do a little bit of foam rolling and I usually um, stand in the pool after a long run, which is nice and cold at the moment. Um, but I, yes, strength work is very important. I just, I don't seem to be able to fit it in. <laughs> it is one of those things, isn't it? Where you, you go, oh yeah, I'll get to it tomorrow. Get to it tomorrow, and then yeah. tomorrow comes, and so does next week. And <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> what type of athlete are you with the coach athlete relationship? Are you very much a here's a program, go and do it, or are you a here's a program, you look at it and go, well, okay, why am I doing that? Why am I doing this? Even though you trust in the method, but you want to know what you're doing. Um, my biggest problem would probably be doing extra Ks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I trust in the method and it works. Like it, so far, it's worked really well. Um, saying that Camille's flexible. So if I need to uh, change anything, I just have to contact her and she you know, will change it up. But generally, I just follow the program to the letter with maybe a couple of extra bonus Ks here and there. (laughs) (laughs) 
but the how important is that also the trust factor from you to her you know where you and it, it might have taken some time because essentially you haven't sat down and had a 10-year relationship with her um but you've almost based it on her record so how did you kind of break that down or was it just all in from day one uh it was all in from day one i think you've got to trust your coach and you know the results will show but you also have to do the work like you if they give you a program you have to follow that program you can't really divert from it and then if you don't get the results blame them you know you you're the one doing the work they're giving you some guidelines i think you also have to be a little bit flexible with uh, if they set you paces and things like that. So occasionally she'll set some paces that I won't hit or, you know, I might go, like I might be slower than some speed work or I might be faster. You, you have to be flexible because you you get tired through the week. Um, certain days are different. You might have had a long work day the day before. You might have had little sleep. You need to take it on yourself and change it up a little bit. So, um, you know, because you know how you're feeling. They they don't know how you're feeling. They write it out. They, they might give you a, a program once a week or once a month and, you know, they're not going to know that you didn't have any sleep for two days or whatever like that. So you need to modify it as you go as well, but you, you can't modify it that much and then if you don't get the results, blame them. You know, mm. so you, yeah, it, you, you're doing the work. That's the most important thing. You have to recognise that. So, I know that if I don't get the results, it's not it's not necessarily the program. It might be that I skipped a few sessions or changed them. So, yeah, such a big factor. Like, yeah, the, the coach where people almost don't give you enough time. So mm. almost, I've been looking at this recently. Going, what's a good time frame? Like, is it three years? Or is there a time? Because a lot of people also see success and go, okay, I'm going to go to where my mate's going because he just ran a PB. But let's strip it right back here. Did you give your program and everything enough time? Did you have a, big, a busy work life around that time when you were building up? So it's good to hear you say that, you know, it does take a long time and you need to almost really have a full-blown tilt at it together. Um, yeah. And then you sit down and say, okay, this didn't work, that did work, let's look around. Yeah, you you can't go to a coach and just expect miracles. Like you're the one out there doing the work. Um, if the program's not working for you, then you need to speak to them and work out what works for you. So I know for me, I, can, I, I like doing the long stuff and – I would say that I'm not a natural athlete, so I need to work quite hard. Whereas, you know, um, so Tony Smith, who's an awesome coach, um, he he and I have done a fair bit of running together. And I remember discussing this with him. Um, he and Big Kev, another awesome ultra runner, uh, they used to train and Big Kev was, you know, pumping out 160K weeks and Smithy was pumping out 80K weeks, but they were the same pace. They could, you know, they'd run a marathon in the same time. So different training works for different people. You, you don't all follow the same thing. So you've got to find out what works for you. And if your coach isn't giving you, if your coach is giving you a program and it's not 
quite what you want, it's not quite working, then you need to speak to them and um, figure out what will work, you know? I think that's the joy. Like there's no cookie cutter. Um, mm. yeah, some people love the home. Like for me, some people, a few of my mates are like, oh, it's six-day week. And I'm like, well, yeah, but that's what I love. And yeah. I manage it because, you know, it's, I almost do the 80-20 split and I'm not doing everything at 100 you know, percent. And I think you're the same. Yeah. Whereas if you did everything at race pace, you'd completely change it. Um, well, the program that I've got now, she, so I'm running seven days a week and some of those are double days. And out of that, there would only be, there's one definite speed session a week. And then every sort of second week, there's a second hill or speed session where, and everything else is pretty much slow. And I'm running, um, for me, like I'm running sort of around 5.20 to 5.40 pace or slower, which, you know, is, um, it, which I actually find hard. <laughs> but, yeah. but it's easy pace, but it's it's a hard, it's actually hard work. But the majority of my runs are, are quite easy pace um, and that seems to work for me. I think that's what runners also don't like, um, that it takes so long to get used to that easy system. That- yeah. Oh, just you know, well, we are actually quite an impatient breed for a sport that requires patience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's easy just to say, well, forget it. I'm going to rather go harder, but it might create other issues down the track. Yeah. Um, like, I think we've got to stop. I think you have to stop looking at your watch as well. Like, that's probably one of the biggest things for me is I used to look at the pace and think, oh, you know, how is this going to look and people are going to think my run was really slow or they'll ask what happened or, you know, but I think once you figure out that it's okay to run slow and it's okay, people aren't going to look at your Strava and question it, you're fine. You know, you've got to get in your head that it's okay to do different things. It's the the joy and the devil of Strava, I reckon, putting that all together. (laughs) Uh, in terms of pipeline, well, even your bucket list, what does your bucket list look like now? Have you got any events that really jump out to you even in the next two years? Um, I'd really like to make the Aussie team again. We were, I was hoping to make the Aussie team for Holland this year, which was in September, but um, that's been cancelled, unfortunately. Uh, so I am doing Birdie's Backyard in August, and I'd like to have a have a go at that um it's the it's a last last man standing format so you run 6.7k every hour so if you run in 45 minutes you have 15 minutes to rest and then you go again so i'd like to have a have a real go at that this year it'd be good um and i don't know maybe wtf I, i i loved ned kelly ned kelly was a great great race last year so i'd love to head back over east and do that one um and but yeah just my aim will try and make the aussie team one more time and run the 100k world champs that'd be yeah great i think so would you say that's pipe pipe dream then like that would be it yeah um, in terms of the one that you really want to get to yeah i i don't i guess i don't think too far ahead (laughs) so that's that I just I like to set I think yeah short-term goals so um that would that's my next next thing yeah and I think like 
I think you like the social side of it too, don't you? So you are a lot of fast runners who say, no, once it starts to deteriorate, I'm done. Would we see you drop and just be out there for hours on end and yes. purely just, <laughs> just do it for the, the fun of it? Like I know you do it for the fun of it now, but almost a real recreational runner. Yeah, I would, absolutely. I'd still I, – I think that you still need to show respect to the sport and you still need to train. So um, I would still want to put 100% – for me, it's about effort. Like I would still want to put 100% effort in, but that doesn't mean you. I wouldn't be out there enjoying it and taking my time. But, um, I, yeah, you, you still have to train and – it doesn't matter how slow I am, I'd still be out there. <laughs> All right, Maggie, in closing, the question I always ask people is, if you had to give your younger self a message, what would it be? Start start running now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know, yeah. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. No, that's a good one, start running now. I think a lot of people who I've had on and even bump into say, geez, they wish they took this up. A lot younger or they waited for a life event to happen before they started or it was a drunken new year's eve um but nobody has actually said that answer but i think everybody thinks it yeah so, definitely <laughs> awesome well thanks so much for your time um i know people will really enjoy the listen because i've been waiting and um and a lot of people have nominated to listen to you and in terms of sponsors um do you want to give them a bit of a plug if you have any yeah, that'd be great, actually. Um, I'd like to say thanks to Selming, who, Selming Australia, who have been sponsoring me for a couple of years now and um, keep my feet in great condition. So I, I bought my first pair of Selming the day before uh, my first 50 miler and wore them and they've been brilliant ever since. So Selming Australia, great. And also Chris Lark from uh, Running Works. He's my sponsor as well, and um, he's been fantastic. Awesome. All right. Good to see a local local store yeah. being involved too, which is awesome. All right. Thanks so much for your time. No worries. Thanks. Well, thanks again, Margie, for that really insightful chat. There are plenty of takeaways and learnings for myself and I'm sure the listeners will agree as well and thoroughly enjoyed it. If you want to see a bit more of Margie's consistency, feel free to jump on Strava and give her a follow. Also give the Stimulate Run podcast group a follow and you can link in with all the other listeners from wherever they're based. We will have a couple more episodes coming out in the coming weeks and we'll keep you posted on all the social media platforms. Road to Comrades is back recording this weekend and we will have it live in the coming days as well. Have a great running week, everybody.